Welcome to the American Intelligence Media. My name is Douglas Gabriel, a.k.a. Thomas Paine and the Ass of the Globalists, and my guest today is Michael McKibben. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hi, Douglas. Nice to talk to you again. Two days in a row. This could only be happening because of your blockbuster report showing that Hillary has the digital keys to everything. And this has stirred people up really bad. There were some um, technical questions. I'm not sure they're really by people who know what they're talking about, but we're going to clear those up today. But we're going to go back and we're going to recap. And we're not going to let up on this because, you know, once we found out about Serco, what happened? Serco is being sued and may close completely. What happened to um, when we looked into Cambridge Analytica? We found out about its mother company, uh, Strategic Communications Laboratory, and now they're closing. When we found out about the Privy Council and their connection to Optech, which is the software, uh, Lord Malik Brown and the Optech software that runs every single voting machine in America, we get to hear people now clamoring for paper ballots. So they heard about what you have discovered with great detail. And now, because nobody messes with you and your researchers, you came back with 100 times more details than you had before just to make sure people understand that this isn't some wacky theory. As a matter of fact, I'm going to point out that in the years that we've been doing this, you correct me, uh, Michael, uh, but because you know uh, Americans for Innovation and you know Leader Technologies and you know the Center for Social Justice and you know all these different groups and all these groups that connect to us and we know ourselves, aim for truth, and I'll stand firmly on this. We haven't made any mistakes. And the tiny, tiny mistake, the only mistake I, we have been called on, you called me on once, I believe. And I had to, well, actually twice, I had to correct it because I didn't use an exact enough detail with you. So uh, come on, folks. You find that what we're telling you is not true? Please send in the evidence to show otherwise because you just riled up our researchers. And now, whether you like it or not, you're going to get hit with, a, what was it, two or 3,000 different conflicts of interest that should have been claimed for in-trust. Someone wants to say that these aren't the real keys, that we don't know the difference between a Microsoft key or an encryption key. What well, You are incorrect. You're talking to Michael McKibben, the man who invented the internet, social, the scalability for social networking and everything no, else. No, 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 that was Al Gore. Yeah, that, well, I thought he was on your team. Oh, Al wasn't on your I was team? Actually, I was actually asked that at the Facebook trial. The Facebook attorney actually asked me if I had invented the Internet. And you said no. Al Gore invented the Internet? My co-inventor said no, Al Gore did, so that got a laugh. Look, the proof is in the pudding. Al Gore invented the Internet because he also invented global warming. So Al Gore invents things that affect the entire globe and the sun and our solar system and the universe. Thank you, Al Gore. Now, let's go back. Hillary, from the early 90s, worked with John Podesta, Comey, Mueller, uh, Stephen Crocker, uh, James Chandler, B the, Bill and Hillary, the Wild, wild Bill Hillary, uh, the show. I, the, they're the Bonnie and Clyde of the digital age because she is an infringement lawyer who worked out of Little Rock, Arkansas, Rose Law Firm, and the person who now basically controls Intrust worked there for 20 years, uh, Jerry C. Jones. Did I get that right? Not Jerry. Yeah. Is it Jerry or James? Jerry C. Jones. Jerry yeah. C. Jones, a good, a good friend of Hillary's. 
through Rose well, Law Firm. a 19-year partner at Rose Law Firm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and right there, Rose Law Firm, because Hillary's dad said, you're a girl. You're not going to make a good mobster. I want you to become a patent attorney, an infringement patent attorney, so that all you do is steal patents because that's where the money is. That's what he told his daughter. That's why she is where she's at. She was there from the beginning. And she started to steal a couple really cool patents, the QRS-11, which is like a, it's a remote autopilot control device for all planes, but it's also now in everything that moves, basically. The QRS-11, now up to the QRS-14. She got in on that early, and they learned how to take that device and move it out of America, or steal the patents, move it out of America, move it around to all of her friends, get these companies going, invest in them, then bring them on to get it, uh, bring them onto the stock market, and then turn their millions into billions. And they've been doing this with every social media company through, uh, well, Google, uh, uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all of them, uh, PayPal. You name it, Microsoft, Hewlett-Packard, IBM, they're all part of this theft from the IBM Eclipse Foundation. But we didn't have any idea when we started looking at that with this, with you, that the way that you were ripped off, we didn't know that these were going to be the exact same people ripping everybody off right now with the Mueller investigation. That's because they're covering their trail. And this is the trail that you have uncovered. And now... As we revealed that it goes all the way to Britain because it's Serco that controls the patent office and Serco is, is a British company, essentially, uh, we also now found out that the keys, and these are not normal keys, folks. You've never heard of these. Even if you're high-tech people, you probably never, ever thought this through. And if you did, you're not going to be complaining about Michael's explanation. But a company in Canada, as always, starts off as a pseudo government-funded monopoly. Of course, if it's Canada, that's Britain. And what do they do? They start controlling the public key infrastructure, which means that when the internet started to be scalable because of leader technology's inventions and their trade secrets that were stolen by James Chandler III and the IBM Eclipse Foundation, this Canadian company, Nortel, Again, it just they, they do this again and again. We've traced this through all these different companies. They start off with what were monopoly companies, and then they hand them over. They move them into America, create an American version of it, and then it's bought up by a, a shill company. And in this case, Entrust is nothing more than an asset management. Excuse me. Entrust was sold to an asset management company ran by Orlando Bravo, but the company is called Toma Bravo. So, yes, folks, there's a company. An asset management company collects taxes on every single company that wants to do any business on the Internet or even if your Internet service provider has to pay for you. So when you pay your Internet service provider, whoever you use, you're paying a tax. And you're paying that to a company called Entrust that has moved it through a fake asset management company. And who do you think knew this from the beginning, set this up and set up a patent that would absorb all of these things underneath the construct of the Federal Bridge Certification Authority. A, a, fake little a fake little committee in Washington, a pathetic little group, who are the IT directors for the cabinet members, I doubt that they even know that they give out a charter to a company called Entrust, 
and, and at first it was Nortel, to control every single connection that anyone makes on the internet and tax it. And the way they're taxing it is because they, they basically preach fear. We, you're not going to be able to have a trusted source that you can connect to unless you move through this system. So there's one group in the middle, and they say they're federal. They're federal for about a half a second. And they say they have the keys, and they're not your normal crypto keys. And they say they're a bridge. They're a bridge. They're a bridge from the internet, which people say, everyone says no one owns, uh, but then why is one company charging taxes on it? And the internet is owned, and we've explained they're that before. They're a bridge right into their pockets. That's what I was going towards. They have a thing called a ramp and a bridge, and it goes right into their pocket, and then they're an authority. Who gives them that authority? A group of tech people who are fresh out of college who don't even know they have that authority? That's what's going on. That's why Hillary can not only surveil every single one of these companies, a hundred or so of them, but every nodule, and, and, and when we pointed out the Richard C. Walker Internet of Things and, uh, patent, what we were really pointing out is that they needed to have a system that could remotely control everything. And now we found it. We couldn't find the center. Now we found it. It's in trust, and it's as I've explained. But now people want to challenge this? Get ready, folks, because Michael McKibben is going to explain to you how this works. Now, for some of you... It's going to go over your head like mine, but we need to make sure that you understand that nothing that we or Americans for Innovation or Leader Technology is ever going to tell you is going to be questionable. We don't say it until we know that it's absolutely true. So, Michael, can you explain this key system to people? Yeah, I think most people have read the history of World War II and know that the Germans had invented something called the Enigma machine which was indeed an encryption system that uh, submarines carried, that uh, generals carried, and that's the way they communicated with each other. They took their message, they typed it in, in German in that case, and the, the Enigma machine crunched out in an electromechanical device, like the old adding machines, um, a, an encrypted code that then would be transmitted electronically. So the idea was even if uh, the Allies had uh, intercepted the code, it would be just gibberish and, and you wouldn't be able to uh, to uh, know what the communication was. Well, and, and the Allies then put a bunch of mathematicians and scientists together at, at Bletchley House in England to try and crack that Enigma code to figure out what the mechanism was, what the medic mechanism was in these machines, and and uh, once they figured that out, they were able to read all of the German uh, communications that occurred into right right through the end of the war. And General Eisenhower said this was one of the key developments that allowed the Allies to win World War II. What we're looking at right now with the electronic version of this same Enigma machine is encryption mechanisms that have built-in flaws or back doors that allow those that know what the flaws are to read everything, just like the Allies ended up being able to read all German code. And 
what we never knew was who, where was the center of that control in the Internet. And there, were, there have been clues that have been dribbling out uh, over the last several decades as to how that's done. And the certificate authority that um, uh, Entrust is, on the surface, they say Entrust is one of several hundred certificate authorities that issue certificates so that when you go on the Internet, you can... Uh, be authorized to uh, open a website. The the fact is different. The the fact is, if you look at their charts and look at their embedded relationships, how they appoint these master certificate authority providers, they can sublicense it to others, and they they've got these circular loops of relationships. So, at the bottom level, those companies are all licensed from a few certificate authorities. And it appears very clearly that Entrust is one of the key, if not the key, provider providers of all of the certificate authorities. Even if the one you're particular you are using in your particular internet service provider is not that name, all it's it's very likely that all roads lead back to Entrust. And that's one thing. So Entrust has been authorized to uh, be owned by private companies. And so when we started, our researchers uh, actually started finding that uh, all these pointers were pointing back to uh, a group of people. And so uh, we had researchers who were digging through the Securities and Exchange Commission reports for and trust and lo and behold, we discovered that um, uh, Hillary Clinton's 19-year law partner at the Rose Law Firm was slipped in as a Class One director in late 2003, which was within a month of Zuckerberg hacking the house sites at Harvard and was within weeks of them getting the final debugs that we had created on our invention of social networking that then uh, became Facebook and MySpace, or not MySpace, but Facebook, Google, uh, Yahoo. All of the social platforms emerged within months of, of that event. And that happens to be the actual time when Hillary's law partner from the Rose Law Firm became a secret director of Entrust. So what we see here is that the keys to the Enigma machine were entrusted to this company called Entrust that behind the scenes was clearly led by Hillary Clinton. And the proof is there. And prior to Jerry C. Jones, it was Wesley Clark. Now, you can understand how one of the top generals in the country here in America was in charge of something that had to do with what you could call, they call it public key infrastructures, but they're still crypto codes. They're still encryption codes. And those particular companies have those codes. And to be able to communicate with other companies or to be able to communicate between nodes you have to have their encryption codes. So once you are the main company... Can I, can I stop you there? Yes, please. The, the, 
we were i was i was actually rebuilding AT&T's email system in the mid 90s when this public key infrastructure architecture was proposed on the market and now we know that it was at the very same time that the Highlands Forum was uh, being formed in uh, in Washington and the public key infrastructure means that for any uh, item to be um, encrypted, you grab if you, if I want to send you a message encrypted, I go look up your public key. So our public keys are all published, and anybody can get to them. But that's only half of the key. And then each person then creates a private key, which ostensibly is only available on their computer. And so the software you use then takes the two keys and essentially merges them together, and then that's the key that's used to encrypt your particular communication. So the idea is that because nobody has your private key besides you, that, uh, that the system is secure. But as soon as you, a keylogger or a many, many ways that somebody can pick up your private key, as soon as somebody's got your private key, then all your communication is uh, unencryptable because you then have both keys. You have the public key, which everybody can get, and the private key, which is probably stolen. And then you have... That's, that's just one level. That's just one level of this story, by the way, and that's what most people are confused about because it's not just about this certificate authority that we're talking about. The NSA also created a key special key that they have forced all vendors on the planet to uh, put in their software, hardware, and firmware called the dual ECDRBG algorithm. And that stands for dual elliptical curve deterministic random bit generator. Okay, I'm going to give you a quiz on that at the end of this to make sure you got that. Well, I'm just going to fail the quiz, so don't even give it to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So that, that particular algorithm, because it's embedded on all hardware, software, and firmware, is another way that the uh, intelligence community can decrypt messages because that particular uh, algorithm has, had a, has a, an inbuilt flaw, which uh, only the NSA ostensibly knows, and that allows for another level of, of uh, uh, insecurity to be built into all devices so that uh, you don't really even need to know the public infrastructure at that point. You can just hack in through this dual ECDRBG algorithm. Now, so there's several ways to get at people's data. As you know, when I was in the NSA back in the 70s, we had... Everything was hardwired, you know, and so when you started describing some of these things to me when we started talking some time ago, I kept being really hung up on, well, where's the hardware? And then I thought I discovered it, you know, with the uh, mechanical engine that rides on the back with a microchip. And so I'd call you up and you'd go, no, Douglas, it's it's software. And I'm going, no, wait, what do you mean it's software? It just floats around. Where Where is it? <laughs> I want to know where it is. Because, you know, I come from old school. We, you know... Well, it might, this software might be embedded on a chip, so it could be hardware. That's what fact, you were explaining we know to it me. is embedded on a chip, so it is often hard, hardware. And We that, now know that these people uh, hired uh, ex-Soviet uh, scientists and mathematicians 
into a company called Eurotech Limited and brought them to Italy where they used them to uh, help IBM, Microsoft, Cisco build these uh, encryption systems into the back ends of the hardware and the embedded systems that we have that we use today. Now, Michael, that's different than when uh, Cisco built the back doors into their routers in the early days so that literally they at one point said that every single transmission on the internet goes to their routers. And we knew that all, all of them, domestic and foreign, had back doors. And so I was kind of stuck in that old pattern of, you know, show me, uh, you know, where on the machine it is. But these things ride on software. That's what you're saying with, with these uh, public key infrastructures, right? Well, it's software. hardware, software, and firmware. It's not one thing. There's never one solution or one way these guys go at uh, betraying our privacy and, and security. It's multiple ways because they can't always predict that one of the ways is going to work every time. So they have two or three or four different ways of getting into your system. Well, now, because I'm naive... I always go back to um, Sir Tim Berners-Lee and the way that they miraculously said that while he was working at CERN, he just invented the World Wide Web, you know, on his little laptop in his spare time. No, this shows, as you just pointed out, the public key infrastructure was planned from the beginning and the people who planned it planned to control it. Right. That's true. And so I happen to know that from firsthand knowledge because once we hired Professor Chandler as our patent attorney, I, he actually uh, invited me to attend the third encryption congr- uh, conference that um, uh, the Professor Chandler had, where I met a lot of these people who were creating this standard. So I know what I'm talking about. Well, I know what used to be. Uh, used to be when I would do a code, I would sit at a like a Turing machine, and I would hit a key, and the spinning uh, cylinder would change that to whatever today's encryption code was. Right, that's how the Enigma machine worked. And so that's how far back I go. I mean, we had encryption cards, IBM cards. Each one, every place, every military unit that was connected to that, um, what you would call the NSA key infrastructure, which is a node unto itself, and you put that in all of your charts, so people, if they look closely, they will see that exactly what you were saying is true. Yes, there is one node that happens to go to the Department of Defense and sensitive stuff. There's another one goes to the NSA. There's one another other nodes that go to corporations, and many other companies like Entrust have those contracts, so it makes it look like they're actually... Um, competing within trust, but no, those are small contracts compared to the big military or the big satellite or the big uh, government contracts, which all go through in trust. And then from in trust, they go to this this hub. And but the hub isn't really a hub, and that's a lie because it isn't a little committee in Washington D.C. Those people probably don't even know they have the power, as I said before, to give the charter out to these corporations. If they did, they should stop it because it is. It's certainly espionage. It certainly is a violation of surveillance of all Americans and all people around the world. It certainly shows that you have nothing, whether you are an encrypted phone, whether you're on the uh, dark net, whether you are on those black phones that you think can't be picked up. There is nothing that they can't get because everybody uh, has to pay for this system. These people believe that they're doing God's work. That's the irony here. 
this total surveillance, mass surveillance system that they've put together, they have convinced themselves that they're doing it for our benefit. Even though we didn't give them permission to do it, they're still doing it. They still believe that they are protecting us from the enemies, which now we know they're creating in order to have their continuing effort uh, to save us. So it, it's now become an inside loop so that they create the wars, they create the terrorist threats to uh, give themselves more permissions to steal our information uh, with the rationale that they're protecting us from the people <laughs> that they're creating. So um, uh, it's, it's, it's out of hand, obviously. Well, we saw that with the Richard C. Walker Internet of Things patent, the TRAC patent, T-R-A-C, which I always refer to as the aggressive remote control patent. And they want to make humans into wetware. So they want to implant things, not only just as, you know, those little chips that are like a credit card and you can, they're like your bank card and everything else and you just rub your hand over the machine and then that's it. No, no, no. They want to implant many of them in your body so that they can stop you from moving and right, or get you up to move. Isn't that amazing? It's in the patent and it actually defines people equals wetware. And that they have to remote aggressively remote control that wetware. They're not happy enough to be able to make you stop what you're doing. They want to make you do what they want you to do. And this goes for trains, planes. It goes for your motorcycle and your animals and you and every human on the earth. And if you don't believe it, look at what Eric Schmidt has done with Dragonfly and the social credit system in China right now that is causing such a stir because he's basically created digital totalitarianism. And how is he able to do that? Because he already did it worldwide. Because he is, of course, one of the major people in on this from the beginning. And that's the reason that he always invested in every single company that really made a big splash using your trade secrets, Michael. And now he's a billionaire and he's off in China and won't leave until China has come underneath the complete thumb of uh, totalitarian dictator Xi, which I think they're about one second from that. So what we have here is the digital keys to hell. Hell puts off a fire that gives light, and Hillary thinks that's the light from above. No, that's the light from below. She has the keys to hell, like St. Peter has the keys to the heaven. And those keys can get her anything she wants. She can surveil anything she wants, she can target it, and she can attack it. Because why? Corporations run it. And when we finally figure out exactly who the money is, and it's almost impossible in an asset management company to determine whose money came out of which other asset management company, slushed through what other offshore fund, through somebody else's account. But I guarantee you that this goes back to the same exact friends that Hillary has in the election rigging campaigns that she's been part of, which use Optech, which is Lord Malik Brown and the Queen's Privy Council. I'll, uh, I'll put down a nickel on that bet, Michael. Right, I will too. I have yeah. a solution. The Federal well, the, Common Policy yeah. Committee can stop giving charters out to these criminals who are not even Americans. They're corporate globalists. Well, I think the whole that whole mechanism has to be rethought. I mean, it was created. It was created out of nothing in the early 90s. So it can be uncreated, and it can be revamped. I mean, the, the, the ideas are not bad. The problem is the wrong people are running them. 
and uh, there there is a need in the internet for trusted systems we need to, we need to start looking at information technology as a a guild where only honorable people can operate and there there need there needs to be uh, inbuilt forms of accountability that actually have teeth not all these not all these fancy flowery fluffy words that don't mean anything like trust we we need to have mechanisms that that uh, I think hold the beast in us accountable, so that uh, we actually respect people's privacy, respect their prophecy, uh, privacy, um, sorry, privacy and property, and we actually believe in the Bill of Rights, and we use that as the basis for a new design for this system. I think that's we have to start there, and then we get bright people in a room. And we say we're not coming out until we have a system based on the Bill of Rights to manage this network system that we have, that we already have. And then once we have that plan, then we can go and re-engineer what we've got right now. So it can be done. It's just engineering. They just have to have the right people, just like you said. They have to have the right people with the right motivation. And it's a piece of cake, folks. It's a piece of cake. How many cabinet members are there? Well, that's how many of these little IT guys and gals make a little tiny decision that they don't even know affects the whole world and basically gives away even our military secrets, our satellite secrets. Uh, and don't get me started on that because, you know, what's happening in space, we warned everybody it's happening, now it's happening, and people yeah, are shocked and they can't How many people have heard of the private, the aerospace company that the SES set up? How many have heard of that that aerospace company is actually running nasa the ses is running nasa not the american government and people that we give huge amounts of money to like elon musk who is an insane man who is nothing more than a hollywood pr guy he doesn't even know what he's talking about he's like a mark zuckerberg who doesn't even know how to write code and yet oh he and zuckerberg were tied together in in 2003 he's familiar to us Oh, now tell me about ICANN, Stephen Crocker. When they started giving out IP addresses, they had to have the uh, public key infrastructure going. And so from the beginning, we controlled every single number and IP address that was assigned through ICANN on the Internet. Did I get that right? Uh, ICANN manages the DNS numbers, the domain name numbers in the internet it's related but separate from the certificate authorities so but what i'm saying is they were set up and we knew stephen crocker was in charge of it and so this comes right back down to the same group stephen crocker was there in little rock arkansas well he was there he was there at the foundation of the highlands forum your favorite group oh yes and that's what i'm saying so one guy actually controlled who got on the internet and who didn't and what their number was and therefore could control them and find them. And if I'm not mistaken, had knew more about them than anybody else. We gave away that authority during the Obama's administration at the last minute to right. somebody I don't even know, some international the committee. UN. Yeah, UN International Committee, who we don't even know who's on it. So my question is, that's as fake as net neutrality, which is the opposite of what you would think. Net neutrality was... Free internet for the big ones, 
and the rest of us all pay. So can you yep. tell us about ICANN and, and that scam and, and did how that might uh, how that affected what we're talking about today? Well, ICANN, at its very basic levels, managing a very large table with two columns. The first column is a list of names in English of websites uh, with different .com, .org, .gov. And the second column is an actual set of numbers so that each Internet address has a unique number. And think of that as a street address in the digital world. So each server on the planet has a unique number, and then those servers can have subnumbers, subdomain underneath them, so that each individual machine in the end has a unique unique number when it's on the Internet. And ICANN manages that list of street addresses so that when you log on and want to go to a particular website, you then type the name, like leader.com, it goes and looks up our DNS number, and then you come to our website. It's that simple. But the issue is there are a lot of them, and so the question is who's going to keep that list current? And that is ICANN's job, is to keep that list current. And uh, uh, up until recently, there's never been evidence that they have not uh, issued uh, domain numbers to somebody who asks. So it's been very democratic up until recently. When it went to the UN, the concern that I have and that others have is that in the hands of a tyrant or a group of globalists who want to shut off uh, a portion of the Internet for people that they don't like, it's as easy as taking somebody off of that ICANN list to stop anyone from being able to access their their domain or their their server. And as soon as that happens, you have total totalitarianism. I mean, you, you have something that is much worse than the KGB or Russia or anybody else. You'll just wipe them off of any digital presence on the Internet. Well, that's what we have. We gave away the American ICANN ability to control the Internet. Because, as you say, this is like a clearinghouse, and if it isn't current, and if ICANN wants to go in there and randomly generate uh, new numbers for everybody that no one can recognize, then the Internet doesn't work. So to say that no one runs the Internet is a lie. To say that no one sanctions these sites is a lie. To say no one can control them is a lie. We keep pointing this out. In every totalitarian nation, anytime they want, they close down anything they want. Social networking, internet, Google, whatever. They simply target it, close it down. How do they do that? Because the systems are there. And it is a well, lie. Well, that's right. That, that's why when I, when I hear <clears throat> descriptions of Bitcoin, that uh, it's uh, totally democratic and you, you don't know it, it's self-governing, that, that's, that, that's so laughable. Because in the end, those Bitcoins are running on a domain name somewhere. And, and that domain is listed on ICANN. And so if you want to stop that whole bank of, of Bitcoins, you just turn off that server. You don't have to turn it off. You just have to delist it from the ICANN list that's, that's propagated on the Internet. I can't remember what the number is now, but like every few minutes now, uh, these servers are updated. Well, we see this happening in China, that Muslims have been targeted, and a million of them have been arrested. Half of them have died either in the internment camp or immediately thereafter. And who did that? That would be Eric Schmidt and his targeting 
and facial recognition, as well as using all kinds of uh, digital credit and, don't forget, debit systems. They can give you the credit and they can take it away. They can say to you, we don't like what you did. You went on to WhatsApp. We're going to put you in jail. That's what's going on in China, and it's coming here, folks. Coming through the Atlantic Council and George Soros's donation to Facebook. It's coming through Eric Schmidt's donation to Google through what is called the Digital News Initiative. So we've we've told you who these people are. We've told you what they're doing, and then people wonder if we're making something up or there's a conspiracy here. Here's the conspiracy. That is the truth, and that's that DARPA and InQtel and the Highlands Forum developed, created, funded the internet and have always owned the internet. And even this, the, the search engines used by Google were a previous DARPA project called Mimex. So when we're talking about the internet, we're talking about U.S. taxpayer dollars. We're talking about a weaponized military device that has gotten out of control. We're talking about the fact that we paid for 40 to 45% of the infrastructure and that we can control anything, anything on the internet, especially if we take back the ICANN Assignment Authority, which is insane we gave it away, and as long as we do not reinstate the Silicon Valley's desire for net neutrality, which is nothing more than making every single one of us a target for corporations and globalist corporations to, uh, to underscore that. So the ICANN thing is a scam. We now find that what we were told, the Federal Bridge Certification Authority, leads to the whole infrastructure of what's called the Federal Common Policy, which then gives out that authority to corporations to literally be able to control every single internet exchange. Now, you gave a wonderful, um, first off, you did with the, with the help of many friends, uh, lots of, well, two press releases that were just amazing. So if you haven't read these press releases, folks, if you had any doubt that what we were saying in this previous talk that we had that has gotten so much attention all over the internet, just look at the new press releases. Now the evidence there is utterly, utterly profound. And what we're asking you to do is realize that Hillary Clinton has always gotten away with everything because she's worse of a blackmailer than even the FBI. Obama and her and their Chicago gang, remember they all come out of Chicago mobster gang, that's who Hillary Rodham Clinton's uh, father was. He was second in control of the Chicago mob and Valerie Jarrett was in control of the Mayor Daley uh, mob uh, political machine and Ron Emanuel continued it after he left being the head of uh, Obama's um, White House, basically. So what we're looking at here is the proof of why Hillary has not gone to jail. She has the keys to the digital kingdom of hell, and it has been sold out to corporate globalists. So again and again, Michael, every time you look, you find the same people who stole your trade secrets from Leader Technologies. There is a way out. And that's the Miller Act. Can you tell people about how we could, you've already mentioned one way to get out of it, get back right. the ICANN, get control of it, and, and get it out of the hands of these people, get it out of the hands of corporate Well, we're either, we're either going to have a government that actually protects the Bill of Rights, or we're going to live in a totalitarian state. And 
we're moving quickly toward the totalitarianism. And what our shareholders said is, you know, we've invented, uh, I mean, we've invested a total of 20 million by the time we had had the lawsuit and no, not the lawsuit, but by the time February 4th came around, we had spent about 10 million and our shareholders said, when are we going to get paid? And, And now we've realized that the federal government itself was the one who stole our technology and then distributed it to the entire planet, both commercially and in government. And so there is a particular law that Congress passed called the Miller Act, which allowed companies who had provided services to the federal government and had not been paid the opportunity to get paid, and it's related to the Fifth Amendment uh, takings clause, that the government is not allowed to take your property without at least compensating you at fair market value. So what we started looking at that, when we started looking at that, we realized this number is into the trillions of dollars. So we got together as a group of shareholders, and I have several hundred, and we said, okay, well, what we, what we can, these are all pragmatic business people. And uh, these men and women, we, we got together and we said, okay, what can we propose that's creative and that not only gets us paid, but also helps us fix this broken system. And that's when we developed the the Miller Act claim, which is divided into two parts. It's a payment for the 17 years that the government has used our property without compensation and benefited. And by, by use, I mean also used by the commercial entities that the government gave it to, which is pretty familiar with most people today it's google facebook myspace or i keep saying myspace uh that dates me a bit uh all of the the social crowd and we said okay there's one payment for that and then there's a payment for ongoing use of the technology and that in exchange we'll give everyone a license for all this technology every app that you're using on your phone right now is violating our patent We'll give everybody a license, get everybody legal, even though they don't even know they were illegal. Uh, and then uh, we'll also give the government a license. And so we will actually start having the government respect the property of its inventors. And what we're seeing now is that we aren't the only inventors that have been abused by this system. There are many inventors in many fields that have had their property stolen and uh, what we've got to do is create a new economy based on respect for the Bill of Rights. And that's really what the Miller Act notice is intended to do, not only for our shareholders and what's owed us, but to also be a pattern for how other inventors who have been cheated by our rogue government uh, can be compensated and, and um made whole, all that cash, obviously, is going to create all kinds of opportunities for new kind of creativity. In our case, what we're willing to do, I'm willing to do, is uh, turn that cash back into helping the uh, uh, our country build a new free press that's not beholden to these banking interests who have hijacked our uh, fourth estate. Well, the time has come. Trump has mentioned the word that we have said as soon as he mentions it. The end has come. 
for Silicon Valley, and that word is antitrust. The Federal Trade Commission is considering, and some say has already started to move against Google and Facebook with antitrust, racketeering, uh, you know, basically monopoly charges. And it's obvious. Other countries have already brought these charges and levied sanctions against them, and they've paid them. But America hasn't, because this is where it was born. So the word has come, antitrust. And this is what happened, and this is the way to take it down. And if Jeff Bezos and Amazon were thrown into it, uh, and all the other online buying services, because they all were part and parcel of stealing your trade secrets, if they were told to simply pay the licensing fees for everything from your invention and your multiple inventions down, as uh, you've explained to me, I don't know if I understand it correctly, that with a patent that the people who come and build on your patent, you, you give them a license to use it and that's fine. So if they all had to pay a license, correct me if I'm wrong, wouldn't they all go bankrupt overnight if they had to pay you what they owe you? Oh, I don't know about their individual finances, but I do know that there are um, fairly customary royalty fees that are associated with with uh, the licensing of patents. And and uh, if you combine, probably the answer is if you combined what they owe us, what they've, uh, and what they owe with other inventors whom they've stolen from, pretty soon that number is going to get to the point where their their economy falters because as we know their revenue is not based on any real numbers we know it's based on largely uh money laundering coming on coming in from overseas so i i'm sure the answer is yes it wouldn't uh it would fold but i don't know for, <clears throat> i don't know for a fact that's a company specific answer yes and you're an engineer and you don't speculate I speculate. That's my job. <laughs> no, not really. Okay, I don't like to ahead. speculate unless I can. But I, I would speculate that it'd close them all down. If the government simply paid you leader technologies and your shareholders, I don't care what the check was, then someone would say to him, well, but Mr. President, then that would mean that these other companies are a bunch of racketeering antitrust monopolists. And he would say, yeah, look into that, would you? And then at the point that they decided that it was true, which they would because the evidence is all there, then they would owe some, th they'd owe some fees. And it would make the sanctions that uh, Europe put upon uh, FANG, you know, particularly uh, Facebook and Google, or they, as they did with Facebook in Australia or in other countries, or for the tax evasion. As we know, Jeff Bezos is just, I think it was last year, he began to start making money. That's the reason he basically runs a torturous company where his employees are basically slaves because he's just barely making any money. He may seem to be the richest man in the world, but that isn't true. He's propped up by government subsidies. He's propped up by the U.S. Postal Office, uh, post office basically paying a huge amount of his postal fees for him just so that his company can thrive. No, no, if they had to pay taxes, if they had to pay your license, if they had to pay the sanctions and the lawyer fees for all that they would have to go through, they would all go probably bankrupt. Well, here's a real number. Here's a real number. Uh, I haven't looked it up in the last few months, but the number, the, the total value of social networking related and related telecommunications the total market capitalization number um, that is regularly published on Wall Street is around four plus trillion dollars. Mm -hmm. 
So what we do know for a fact is all of that technology is using our invention. So you can go whichever way you want from there. So if 100% of a company's revenue is based on stolen property, what happen, What should happen to that company? I think the answer is obvious, but I'm not going to answer it because it's a fact specific, It's a company-specific answer. And think what those major tech companies would owe the people who have stock in their company. And remember that one-third of the central banks in America, and now I understand a huge amount of central banks from other countries, all have their money in those fake Silicon Valley companies. Com- companies so what happens oh you should have seen the flow of cash coming in from all over the planet i mean um, wall street journal uh, issued this huge uh, spreadsheet which a number of sites now uh, publish showing the uh, feeding frenzy of mutual funds and and uh, private companies and private investors from all over the planet that invested in the facebook ipo clearly everyone got the memo except us average people, that Facebook was an inside job. And so everybody made out like bandits, including many of our federal judges, many of our politicians, and the word was out, get in on this deal, because you're all going to be made quite wealthy out of this. That's why we never saw justice, because we were screwed before we even went to court. And now... They were planning that fake... They, they were planning that fake... IPO for many years, and they had made a lot of promises, and then they had to keep them. And now they're selling their stocks, those big owners, and they're getting out as quick as they can on their own stocks. But there's ways around this, folks. It's very, very simple. We've explained it before. All he has to do, Mr. Trump, President Trump, is do what he's doing, put sanctions on these companies, freeze their assets, and then manipulate their central banks and, and just basically freeze the assets of of the central banks because it was basically illegal what they're doing. There is no provision that a central bank can invest in stocks. We've tried to keep the bankers out of being brokers, but now the central bankers have become brokers. So if he seizes the assets and then he seizes this, which includes one third of the assets of the central banks of America are in stocks. He takes the other assets and he backs up the 401ks of Americans that are in these stocks on the stock market and he makes sure to pay them out. And he lets those companies falter and fall. And at the same time, because of their corruption in the U.S. Federal Reserve, we default on that and let them go bankrupt. We don't have to pay that debt. They are a corporation, and they are simply lying and cheating with what they're doing with these fake tech companies. They're putting the entire world upon the back of these fake tech companies. These tech companies do not make money. It is a lie. It is an absolute lie. They only exist now because of now, literally, military contracts at this point. So I forgot to mention that. Uh, Facebook, Amazon can't exist without the military contracts. And then what do they do with the money? They go buy mainstream media outlets to become their propaganda arm to protect them, to try to make sure that people don't know that they're actually a government monopoly that was constructed by senior executive service members working through the same old corporate rat lines that have been used uh, for a long, long time. So I apologize to you, Michael, for what has happened with the world and the fact that your desire to create a free and open Internet was turned into this evil that Hillary Clinton literally has the keys to this digital hell. Yep. She does. The proof's there. 
Well, you've done your work, we've done ours, and we look forward to what people have to say and any direction you can point us in. Um, I just came across one today. Looks like we found the company that was behind the 911. It was a digital company called P-Tech. P and then T-E-C-H. So we're gonna get right on that one for you folks. It's a 17 year old story, but it will show you the same kind of rat lines that we're describing today were used at the same time uh, used at, at 911, and that's the reason they were able to cover their trail. It is this digital trail of the Clintons and the Bush family that have worked with these DC fixers like Rosenstein and Mueller and Comey and McCabe and the rest of them. And we're going to put an end to it with the help of Americans for Innovation and your good well, you research. Know, I, know, I forget the theme you were, you were going to use for this uh, particular um, interview, but um, it had something to do with hell, right? <laughs> uh, uh, digital the, keys the, of hell, the one yes. thing i i had forgotten about is that the uh the the history of encryption uh has a long history that goes back uh, two or three thousand years bc and but the most current mechanism used for doing encryption is something that ibm developed called triple des and the other name for triple des is the Lucifer code? That's, why, what they, that's a name they gave it. Why doesn't that surprise me? Uh, it's, it is. It's, it's pretty pretty amazing that these people were so arrogant about their intentions that they actually named it after the devil. And then people try to say it's a conspiracy theory to say these very same people worship Lucifer and Satan. Well, here it is. They actually put their names on them, the systems that are key. So yes. they, they think that's funny, but it's not funny at all. And they don't really believe in a heaven or a hell. But they're going to find out after they die that there really is. And guess what, Hillary? The keys to the digital hell only get you in. They don't get you out. And oh, by the way, these were the same German scientists that developed the Enigma machine. We brought them over after the war, and they just carried on working at IBM. Oh, absolutely. It just Because why? The military-industrial complex just keeps marching on. It doesn't matter what country uh, it's uh, doing its best work in. It just keeps on moving. That's why Eric Schmidt is in China. That's why Henry Kissinger loves China. That's why all kinds of people have gone to China, like the Bidens and the Careys. Oh, and, and the and the buyers and all these people that you've uh, uh, Milner and the, all of them. They, oh, Milner's Russia, but they they love to go to the east because they actually believe that Russia and China are the future. That is incorrect. We are at war with China, and we will not go to war with Russia because we would squish them, and they don't want war. And China. Well, all I want, all I want is the bill of, bill of rights exactly reinstated especially here in America, and to stop having Soviet Russia attitudes come to America and Chinese totalitarian attitudes come in through the tech lords of Silicon Valley who all need to face bankruptcy because of the crimes that they've committed. Michael, thank you again for your deep research. We'll be speaking with you again further about this. On behalf of the whole team, thank you. Oh, thank you, and thank all of the hundreds of members of the team. We can't thank you for the work that you do enough, uh, and people really, they do appreciate it. So good work, patriots.